Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello and welcome back to the Beers and Ears podcast. Before we get started with today's show, just announced from the Walt Disney Travel Company, if you are looking to go to Walt Disney World this year, they have brought back some amazing deals. If you're looking to go this spring, you can get up to 25% off your hotel reservation, depending on uh, which uh, resort you are staying at right now, or where resort you want to stay at if you're not even booked at the moment. But probably the bigger news was the fact that they have brought back a dining promo, Matt. Can you believe that? I can't believe <clears throat> it. I mean, good good on them. I mean, you know, good on them for bringing back some kind of dining program. It, it's, yeah. It's great to see. So you can get up to $150 a night, uh, depending on what hotel you stay at, uh, to be able to put towards dining credit during your stay from July 1st through September 14th. I actually was able to, for a client who was already reserved at the Caribbean Beach Resort, I was able to get her $700 dollars in dining credits to be able nice. to apply towards food which is pretty amazing so well and 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 let me <clears> be clear like that's a lot of food on disney property because again yes, you're is. gonna think about oh well that's just that can't be a lot because disney overcharges for food uh, you know we've talked about it on this pod like that gets you a lot of food <laughs> and frankly disney doesn't actually overcharge for food as as much as you think they do they do for things like soda for water even for some of the snacky stuff, but actual dinners, it's not as overpriced as you think. I mean, it's, yeah, a, a it's, buffet, a, a character, a, a non-character buffet on Disney property, $35, $37. You go to Golden Corral, you're paying $22 at that point. So and it's much better food on Disney property. I'm, I'm not going to lie. No offense what? against Golden Corral. Don't want to get sued. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do enjoy a Golden Corral mail every once in a while, but let's just say Disney is kind of that next level up. My, my point is $700 is going to get you a lot of food. You know, obviously, if you're going to go character dining the whole time totally different scenario but um definitely something worth looking at if you're interested in taking a trip to walt disney world like i said savings up to 25 percent off this spring um dining promos through the fall um and it's a perfect time to go back to walt disney world they're opening tron up um in march they just opened up the Walt Disney Railroad again after five years. Yeah. How awesome is that, right? It's the Platinum Anniversary. And if maybe you don't want to go to Walt Disney World, they got Disneyland as well. Disneyland's celebrating the Platinum Anniversary. I would love to be able to, to help you over there. And they just announced Super Mario World over in Hollywood. So we can do kind of dual trip. So hit me up. Um, you can email me at CaseyWooley at MainStreetAndMoreTravel.com. You can call me at 734 734- 718-6024 or text me at that number. That's my my number and I can help you out. Um, all you need up front is a $200 deposit for this. So it's not really pricey to get started and I can talk through all the options with you. So uh, Matt, let's go ahead and get started with the show. All right. Welcome in everyone and welcome back. This is the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Welcome in. Hopefully everyone had a great holiday, a new year. I know I am feeling rested and rejuvenated, even though this holiday season, I can't believe it feels like forever ago. And it was like two weeks ago. (laughs) It really feels like forever ago since we've been together, Matt. You know, I was going to start I was going to start today's podcast with in a galaxy far, far away. Matt and Casey started a podcast where we began reviewing the Skywalker saga because it feels like it's been forever since we've talked about that. And it has. It's been since May that we talked about our last 
uh, Star Wars episode, The Force Awakens. I think part of that was we had a lot of trips, and then there was a lot of news, and then Halloween came, and then the holidays came. Um, it, it's just kind of been a whirlwind. So why? what better way to start off 2023 than with the Star Wars episode? I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about episode eight. I mean, I'm excited to talk about the sequel trilogy in general. Like, I know, I believe we have nine planned uh, for in a couple months. We're going to kind of yeah. wrap up the Skywalker saga here. Um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the sequel trilogy in general, because I feel like this is where we really have the this is where our opinions really start to differ. And not that it is not interesting to hear us talk about things when we agree on things, but often it's when people disagree uh, that uh, it becomes more fun to talk about. <laughs> well, and I also think it's important that it, and I'm going to try really hard because having a conversation. After watching this movie again, post episode nine after a couple years of clarity when you're in the moment of knowing all the stuff that this film was still kind of shrouding in mystery is very different than watching it contemporaneously right yes and and so i think it's going to be really important that we kind of have that dual chain of thought and i don't know maybe we don't diverge as much as as you think we are i i don't think it's going to be this one i think it's going to be the next one yeah. that we <laughs> we're, we're definitely um, we're definitely uh, <laughs> uh setting things teasing nine <laughs> yeah that said i have posted the link in our facebook group so if anyone happens to pop on we might be able to get some of their insight as well um it didn't work last time but who knows you never know someone might be able to pop on and and, and offer their insight so um so let's just kind of do their quick facts on this real quick so star wars episode eight uh, debuted December 15th, 2017, so just over five years ago. Runtime of 152 minutes, so just over two and a half hours or so. Budget between 200 to $317 million, but it did, as most Star Wars movies have done, break a billion. It was $1.33 million. Um, it profited almost $400 million um, <clears throat> at the time. Uh, directed by Ryan Johnson, uh, the only in the in the series to be directed by Ryan Johnson. Um, and I, I think that's probably the most objective stuff we can say, because I think as we start to get into the storyline, then we're going to start to get into some subjective narrative. But where we left off with The Force Awakens, um, obviously Ray and Kylo had their thing in the woods, kind of in a stalemate, if you will. Um, Ray got picked up. Kylo got picked up. Uh, Finn was hurt. And then Ray kind of goes off to find Luke Skywalker, which was the whole point of Episode Seven um, on um, Octu, I believe is how that's pronounced. So, um, and he, it, 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 we end Episode Seven with her handing him his lightsaber, and he kind of has this look of, oh, you know. <laughs> in fact, I think I shared the video in the Facebook group of, of my Disney Store team doing the mock version of that video, right? Because yeah, this was yeah. around the time this movie came out. But that's where we left Episode 7. So then we pick up now Episode 8. Yeah. I mean, what? so <clears throat> at the, let's go at the time. At the time, what were your, like, impressions of this movie? Well, I think it's important to say, expectations were very high i mean episode seven was by all accounts pretty much a success there was and i think this is where we have to start to get into that absolutely obnoxious group of star wars fanboys that are out there that really started to kind of 
come into being with episode seven and and into episode eight, they weren't happy that Disney acquired Star Wars to begin with. Um, They they were not happy with it. I I remember having an interaction with somebody who I worked with. His name was James at the time. And he was, he's like, this is, you know, stupid. No matter what Disney puts out, you know, it's not George Lucas's vision. And, And I remember my argument to him was, Disney is the property owner now, so whatever they decide to put out is the vision of Star Wars in that yeah. moment. But he couldn't he couldn't accept that. And I think there were a lot of people who who there were, I don't want to say a lot. There's a a vocal minority of fans who feel that way, and they're very vocal. And and what happened with this movie was that without even necessarily seeing it, they and I, I confirmed this in my research they went on to review sites and just tanked the reviews. Oh yeah. You know, sexism, racism, too, I don't even think the word woke was used yet, but too progressive, right? All these things. And the thing is the critics on the other hand, absolutely loved this movie. I mean, I think it holds a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good for a Star Wars movie, right? So the critics love this movie. But I just remember expectations were high. And partly, and Matt, we can finally talk about a time when a movie came out and we were at the Disney store together. Yes. <laughs> um, we I, I just remember when all this all the new products started to come in. I remember, I remember um I think this was the year I got transferred over to, yeah. to 339. I remember all the new product coming in. I remember I remember reading all the story cards. I remember the excitement for this movie. And I was just as excited because, you know, Force Awakens was a tradition with my dad the two holidays before. I was going to get to see this with, with my dad, to, you know, at this holiday. They had the costumes for the Praetorian Guard. You had that new uh, the droid. porgs were out. The porgs, the new droid too. Um, the uh, droid that's in the movie for like thirty seconds. Two seconds, yeah. But yeah, they made <laughs> all these things. Yes, but so in the moment, I gotta say, I was super, super excited, and I remember seeing the movie and still feeling super, super excited. I I enjoyed the movie. And in the moment, how about you? I would agree. Like similar sentiment to you. Um, in the moment, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the movie. Um, and I would say even on second watch, I I still enjoyed the movie. I I do have like a major gripe with it, but it's not one of those gripes. It's one of those gripes that it's 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 a me thing and just what I prefer in storytelling. Mm-hmm. Not so much of like a uh, like. Oh, I thought they did the movie wrong, so to speak. Um, but I'll I'll tease that for later in the pod. But yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> this it has everything that you want in a Star Wars movie. You have epic space battle to start it out. It reminds me a lot of the opening to Episode Three, where it it's we're here and we're in it. Go, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like we really are. Was. Um, Which for a lot of people, maybe they didn't like that because they wanted to immediately continue the story of Luke or something. I, I think what's interesting is that Ryan Johnson, I don't know if we want to get into this now or if this is a later conversation, but I, I think it needs to happen now. The problem with this entire trilogy was there was no direction about all three movies. There was yeah. none. It was Abrams wrote his script and and did The Force Awakens. And, and I believe by his own admission, he didn't have an idea of where it was going. He was leaving that for the next guy. He was going to stay on as a producer, but he had, by his own admission, he didn't have 
where Ray's parents were, were born. He didn't have, you know, you know, who, who Snoke was. And so suddenly Ryan Johnson gets thrown into this, this movie and he writes a script and by his own admission, he didn't start writing until after the first movie was over and done and in post-production. And he said it was too difficult for him to write while they were shooting that movie. So he waited, he waited for his team to do that. My, my, my point is, is Ryan Johnson then, had to pick up this mantle. There was some criticism about Force Awaken being too much like A New Hope, about too much like Episode Four. So he's like, "All right, fine. I don't want to have a duplicate of The Empire Strikes Back, right? So let me go into a completely different direction." And that's what he did. The thing about Last Jedi, and I think that what makes it so unique, and you tell me if you disagree with this, is that it is probably one of the only unique Star Wars stories. Like it, it kind of doesn't fit the mold of other Star Wars stories. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that because I think we also have to shout out that Ryan Johnson makes some, like, has made good movies. Mm-hmm. And I would argue great movies, like Knives Out, Glass Onion. Oh, I my I want to see those. I want to see those. Ugh. I want to see Knives Out so bad. I, They're I, I, so good. I, I, I've heard nothing but great things. I just haven't oh, seen them yet. I want to so see them good. so bad. Yes. He's got other stuff as well. Like, it, he makes good movies. This is not like they pulled someone off the street or pulled some podunk up-and-coming director that, that you know, they, they got someone who knows how to make movies yeah but you're right it, it it very much does not follow the the mold of what a norm and even i would say not even not even like um unlike any other movie it just you look at all the star wars movies and they all kind of have a little bit of a pattern to them even though yes. they are all different but there's which a we've pattern. talked about which is okay i yeah, want to ask you fine. i want to ask you a question though because you asked about me and kind of how I felt contemporaneously. I want to ask you a similar question, but I want to put a spin on it. Okay. Going into Last Jedi, what did you want answered and what did you want to see? Not what did you see. What did okay. you want? Um, I wanted to learn more about who Snoke was and how okay. and how he came into being. All right. And... Now I'm going to ask you a question. Did you get that? No. Okay. So next up. Um. And then the second thing was like more about Ray's lineage. Okay. Which and we got that, but how did you feel in the moment when you got well, it? Well, that was that was more in like nine that we figured that out. No, but I understand that. But in eight, there was a conscious choice made by Ryan Johnson and the writers to say that your parents were nothing. So take nine out of it. We don't know about nine and the lineage of, of, of you know, yeah, Palpatine yeah. and all that stuff. All we then find out is all this buildup from 15 or from, from, from 2015, from episode seven of who are Ray's, like that was the question, who are Ray's parents? And we get, they were nothing. They were junk traders or whatever he says. Yeah. Like, I, how did that make you it, feel in the in moment? In the moment, it very much was a, a, a slap in the face. Yeah. Like, where, like, a huge deal was made out of this whole lightsaber thing. Like, she sees it and she hears voices or has a flash of something. And and she's clearly very powerful with the Force. And now, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of Jedi that, I mean, Anakin's family, not, you know, his mother is not a huge fancy Jedi, like a, a powerful Jedi can come from anywhere. But his dad's freaking Darth Vader. Come on. Yeah, I mean, okay, come so, on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, you're saying Anakin. Sorry. Sorry. Anakin. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Anakin. sorry. Luke. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're right. Anakin was Anakin's, but again, we never knew who, and I think when you reveal who 
when you finally make the reveal, the reveal's got to be something special. Either it's got to be something or it's got to be a reason why it's not something or you just don't make the reveal at all. We got none of that. We simply got, oh, that was, this is what it felt like to me. Oh, that was part of episode seven. We don't want to explore that now. Yeah, yeah. That's what it felt like. And, and And that's, you know, we talked about this, that this is where you get that disjointed feeling. Say what you want about George Lucas and, and whatever else. He knows how to create a, mm-hmm. a story that ties together very, very well. Whereas these just are so disjointed. And this is a perfect example of why it feels so disjointed. And this movie also starts to explore areas that you're like, ooh, I'm really interested in this. And then because of eight, it doesn't get explored. And so like a big one is the whole, like they go to that planet where people are, the rich people are celebrating yep, the gambling. From war, yep. Yeah. From war profiteering. And I'm like, Oh, this is an interesting side of the galaxy mm-hmm. that we are seeing the people who are profiting off of this war and want this war to continue on regardless of whatever side they're on they don't care what side wins or loses they just care that their profits i'm like oh this is interesting this is an interesting look and then you get the, you get the kids on the planet you get yeah. the kids telling the story of luke skywalker at the end that never gets tied up on on episode nine like what was that all about yeah you know like agreed it, it feel and again this is a symptom of a consequence of the disjointedness of episode seven was one person. Episode eight was another. And then episode nine comes around and it's like JJ Abrams decides, Oh, you know what? I'm eight. No more. Eight had eight's there. And we're going to do very little to tie it, but we got to bring it back to what seven was like. It's almost like you could skip eight, but the problem is you can't skip eight because some major stuff happens in eight. Like, Captain Phasma is killed. Like they spend all this time, all this Ugh. money, all this effort building up Captain Phasma only to have her killed in episode eight. What is that all about? They spend all this time, all this effort trying to build Snoke up as the big baddie, and he gets killed in episode eight to try to make Kylo Ren the supreme leader, which I would argue is actually ineffective because he. I, I don't think Adam Driver pulls it off. Like, I, it's hard to picture him as the big bad baddie. What, what I what I enjoy about Kylo Ren in general as a baddie, you know, Darth Vader has the sinister, under control. Like, I mean, I think of that um, the scene in the Obi Wan TV show where he just he, the ship is about to take off and yes. he just reaches his hand yes. out, and yes. it's. Whereas what I do appreciate about Kylo Ren is he is an out of control teen. Like yeah, that's Dar- the best Darth way. Teen angst. Yeah. Darth and so, angst. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's why I think too, that I, you know, the Snoke, the Snoke thing I didn't love in the moment, but that's actually something that's grown on me as like a, that's something that an impulsive teenager would have been like, Oh yeah, I need to kill that guy. So I can become Supreme leader and make all the calls. I, I again, I think it's tough that from a story perspective, they're trying to build up who is this, who is this, but I also and how does he go from he like has to be in a dark room and is huge to now I'm good and I'm regular yeah. size. <laughs> well, again, now we're we're both doing what I said I knew was going to happen is is we're unfortunately it is almost impossible to look at this movie without the lens of episode nine kind of overshadowing it because here I am. I, again, I said in the moment, I felt okay about the movie. Then as episode nine crawls in, you start to look at episode eight and go, it doesn't fit. 
But I will tell you, as I was rewatching it today, it's a as a movie in production value, and this is where I wonder if you and I are going to disagree. On my rewatch today, I actually think that it got panned unfairly, and I think that on its own, it's actually a pretty good movie. Here's here's my one gripe. Here's the gripe that I have. Okay. It really only takes like the story takes place in a matter of like three hours. Like that's it from a time perspective. Is it really like, just mo- that short? I mean, it's 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 not long. I mean, look huh. at every other Star Wars movie takes place over yeah, an extended yeah, right, yeah. period of time. You're seeing what's happening in this galaxy. There's development. Whereas this is like, all right. We're 20 minutes until the ship is in firing range. We got to huh. figure out what to do. And we're racing against time. And, and that just didn't quite land for me. Yeah. Like I, 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 I don't, I, I want, I only get three movies in this trilogy and we spent a whole movie on this microscopic piece of what was going on. So that, I want to ask, ask you this. How did you feel about Luke's arc? in this movie. Did you feel that they did him wrong? I don't think so. No. It it I here's here's where again, if you fill in the blanks here, it goes from and even they've started to fill some of this in where we we see in Book of Boba Fett where we're seeing the optimistic Luke that has started his own Jedi Academy. Mm-hmm. And and he's going to train people in the Force. He's going to do it. Restarting the Jedi order. And then we find out that you know, he he made a mistake, so to speak, or he blames himself for the whole Kylo Ren thing um, or Ben Solo thing, depending on how you want to, you know, go about that. Um, and kind of goes into this like exile, whereas Yoda became more like kooky. Luke became more um, like Obi-Wan, like, basically like Obi-Wan. And and and, and like the, the opening scene, I will say it is very funny when she's reaching out that lightsaber, he just takes it and throws it. Like that is such a well done scene. No, I hate that. Like that right there is one of the things that I cringe when I watch it because Uh, I I feel like it's so out of character for Luke. Yeah. But I think that's, again, that's the whole, like he has, Mm. it is a new character. Let me, let me insert. This is the toy story argument where I feel like Woody leaving buzz is so anti Woody Yet you've pointed out to me that no, 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 Woody has changed now as a character. He he doesn't want that anymore. He now is understanding that this is his new purpose. I think and, the difference, though, for at least at least the Woody situation is that we've had a chance to see Woody grow and yes. and see his rationale. Where with Luke, literally that opening scene, we have like, wait, why is he doing that? Like it sets the tone. And and again, this is one of those disjointed arguments because there, Abrams did not set it up like that no the way he left episode seven was it was going to be this very important like touchstone in the series and then suddenly he takes this lightsaber and throws it over (laughs) throws it over the edge of the ocean i don't know i i think even an evidence of that is the fact that they are going back in book of with book of boba fett and they did revisit luke and they did revisit kind of they're trying to fill in that gap um and again, I guess there, you can only do so much in three movies. I get all that. And again, I just, I am just blown away by the fact that there wasn't a story group headed up by Abrams, by Kathleen Kennedy, by the group at Lucasfilm 
that at least had the tent poles of the three movie three movies and where they wanted to go and where like, it was going to here's end. Here's what you're going to do. Here yes. are the things you need to include. Here are you the questions you have to fill answer. Fill in the here's gaps the wherever you want. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, these it, are the it, tent poles. It, it, is, it is a little bit surprising. But uh, um, I, I agree with you that uh, standalone, it's, it's pretty good. Like you've got that. First of all, we have to the throne room scene where back to back Ray and Kylo Ren are fighting the Praetorian guards. Oh, it's just just. Oh, delightful. yeah. From a filmmaking oh. perspective, it's be, filmmaking wise. It is an absolutely gorgeous film. Well, and, um, and I, the, I read the, they used more animatronics on that film than any other Star Wars movie out there. I think the characters themselves, I think, are very well acted. I like some of the introductions of some of the new characters. Rose in particular, I think, is a really good addition. I know she got a lot of flack, but she got the I think shaft in eight. <laughs> she really, she really, nine, you mean, a nine, yeah. Nine, yeah, sorry, um, eight. But yeah, still, eight, though, nine, I mean, yes. I, you know, and I think that that whole scene at the very beginning where the bombers are coming in and her sister sacrifices herself, like, there, and even uh, Admiral Holdel, I think, is uh, is an amazing scene. That whole scene where she sacrifices herself, and even that got a lot of flack about, well, if this technology existed before, why was it never used? I think sometimes you do have to suspend disbelief to enjoy the movie for what it is. And that's why those Star Wars fanboys just enrage me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, there is some me. of that. But like, I think, and, and even like the final battle where it's on this salt planet where when it gets yes. broken, it's this red dust. I'm that like, that's visual. a really, that's a cool visual set scene. Yep. Um, I, 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 so this ha- movie has really fun moments, but there, there were just some, I think, with a lot of those, like what they're talking about that upsets the fanboys, I, I do agree that some of them are really out of left field. Like the whole Leia thing where, you know, she just all of a sudden flies back in. Like, I didn't hate it. It was just like, I yeah. have so many questions now. <laughs> here's here's where I think that came from, though, is remember, they were de- we were dealing with the death of Carrie Fisher at that yeah. point. So she had filmed all this stuff. We were dealing with with the death of Carrie Fisher a lot, you know, going into this we were questioning how they were going to handle this. Was she going to die in the movie? You know, all these different things. I remember thinking in the theater when she, when that explodes and she gets thrust out into space, that's it. That that's how they're going to kill her off. Mm -hmm. Honestly. And I know this is going to make some people angry. I think that would have been an amazing way for her to go. I don't know Mm -hmm. how you would have done the rest of the movie or the rest of nine because she plays an important part of nine. I get all that. But again, they had not written nine at that point anyway, so they could have done whatever. whatever It was kind of weird for her to kind of do that weird like ghost thing and come back in. But again, I think the whole point there was to show that she is she's with the force as well and probably just as strong as Luke. Yeah, no, it, it's like, again, I don't I don't hate it as like, oh, how are you doing that? I don't know. How's, How's that go? <laughs> this is the, this is the grumbling. No, uh, you sound like uh, you sound like uh, what's his face? Um, uh, the, the, the oh, my God, what's the, the big fat dude from Empire Strikes Back? Uh, Jabba uh, the Hutt. You sound like Jabba, Jabba the Hutt. Hutt. You sound like Jabba the Hutt when you do that. Yeah. Like it's the grumbling of it all, but it was just like, it came out of left field. And I think yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of the theme of this movie is there's a lot of just abrupt things that come out of left field. The Luke Skywalker throwing his lightsaber. It comes out of left field, and like you said, you, you're just left with, I have so many questions now. I need I need more, and they throw so many of those in yes. that there's just not enough time to 
make all of that happen. <laughs> well, and that's the problem is that they throw so much in, then they end up reversing course in episode nine to where now not only do they answer the questions from episode seven, they have to try to tie up anything from episode eight if they can. And oh, not to mention tie it up from the original, the original trilogy. Like yeah. the episode that's and I, and we're going to get to episode nine in a couple of months, but that is probably one of, the biggest reasons why people have a problem with episode nine is it tries to do too much to, to, in, in too short a period. You could probably have done that in two different movies and been fine, but. And I, and um, I think this yeah. is the problem that we're seeing with movies in general and why the shows are starting to become more and more popular because you have a little bit more time to care for the story and care, you know, do some, some things with certain characters. Whereas yeah, in a movie, you've got this amount of time. And I mean, essentially, for three movies, they had what, nine hours? Yeah. Ish, yeah. maybe ish. less than that. This was only two and a half hours. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, just like as a standalone Star Wars movie, it, it, it feels good. I just think it, it's, I mean, with any Star Wars movie, it's very much putting it into the narrative of the story. I mean, even the series are like that, where where it's unless they're telling a completely brand new story, like if they decide to do the old Republic or go thousands of years into the future, where you really have no connection with any star Wars characters that we know of, it's going to be, it's going to be really difficult to like, not say something about how, okay, well this, ties in like this and this ties in like this and that's Maybe, why I'm, i've been but, but, encouraging them to get away from this skywalker yeah. saga well I, I i think again the series have been able to start to do that but even the series have been based around this you hear a lot about the skywalkers you have to pull yourself out of this era you have to pull yourself out of this era out of this what is basically a a 90 year time period or more or less 60 70 year i don't know whatever it ends up being about 90 60 to 90 year era you got to pull yourself out of that i would love to learn more about the original jedi text i would love to learn more about that because again you're not going to hear about skywalker you're not you 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 know heck even go i i'd love to see an emperor palpatine prequel i'd Mm. i'd love to see how emperor palpatine became emperor palpatine how he became how he became involved with the Sith. Like, like a I political love... thriller that yeah, kind of is I like, would, yeah, I would cool. love to see some of that. That would be a fun, um, a fun way to, to even keep it centered, but not really like, how, you know, how does he, is it Darth Sidious? How does he come into contact with Darth Sidious? I'd love to see that story play out too. Like there's so much stuff that they can play with this, this, this universe. And maybe they will eventually get there. I, I think, Iger, Iger and, and Kathleen Kennedy's um, intuition, I don't say, I don't know, this probably was Iger before he, he left, but definitely Kathleen Kennedy, her intuition and Favreau's intuition of, all right, we're going to eh, pull back the, pull the, pull the gas pedal off of the movies for a little bit. Let's explore the TV series for a little bit. It's probably smart. And I think they're filling in a lot. They're doing a lot of world building. Again, we've talked about whether or not that can make them money through Disney Plus or not. You know, that's a, that's, those are very expensive shows to film. Are they able to turn a profit on those things? That's a whole different conversation. Um, I think from a IP perspective, while I appreciate that Batu in Walt Disney World falls in between 
episodes eight and nine, and I really appreciate that. I also don't see that being a, uh, a something that they can that that can go on forever. They're gonna have I, to figure out a way to. I don't know. And again, this goes to the Star Wars hotel, like the Galaxy, the, the Halcyon. Like it was doing okay, but at a certain point, those prices are going to come down. I mean, they're already giving away free previews to travel agents and stuff just to try to pe- have people talk about it, but the price point's just too much. So if they pull the story away from that, if they end up making that a non like immersive adventure and they just turn it into a basic hotel, that means that's one less element they have to worry about. They could actually make Batuu something beyond just between episodes eight and nine. I think that's where they're going with it. They're going to have to. Um, and, and, and I'm on this podcast as you need to get rid of the timeline of the parks. And they've already kind of gotten rid of that with Disneyland, where yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. we got the Mandalorian, we got Boba Fett. Like, cause, cause that was the problem with it where it was like, okay, well the Mandalorian can't have a meet and greet here because he's not alive during this time. And it's like, yeah. who cares? <laughs> well, they've gotten away with it, but that, the, the, the merchandise that was supposed to be 100% exclusive on Batu, you can get outside of Batu. You can even get it on shopdisney.com now. Yeah. Here, here, let me ask you this. I don't know if I've asked this question question or not do you think the concept of an all immersive land where people will make believe and follow along with the story is a pipe dream in that it could never actually happen because universals tried it with harry potter but again it's it's just themed. It's not necessarily immersive. They tried to make it immersive, but it's not. And and people know it's just a park. Disney has tried it with Pandora and Pandora while awesome has also, it's not treated like you're going to a different planet anymore. Yeah. And, but two, same thing. Do you think this idea of an all immersive, you're not actually in Walt Disney world kind of concept maybe maybe was a pipe dream i I think it is and and let me give you the the kind of the reasoning behind it here's what an immersive experience has to have one you have to have an immersive like area around you this is one thing that i think all of them can check the box on that that they can clearly create something that makes you feel like Mm -hmm. you are in a land agreed um, that you are transported somewhere different. You need to have uh, employees, cast members, whatever you want to call them, that are 100% in and committed to their bits. That's where they start to fall. This is where it starts to fall. However, I do think that this is a possibility. But that you could the, find, I'm, not okay, in a ahead. grand scale, but in a smaller scale, you could very easily find a way to get some people that are committed to the bit and can do it. But the problem with that real quick, before you go to your third point, that's where I think in some way they start to fall a little bit because, okay. Yeah. They've got their commitment, but like take, for example, Batu. you got Disneyland securities walking through Batu in their Disneyland outfits, not, not in their Batu outfits in their Mm -hmm. So that it would take a commitment to literally stave off operations from the rest of the park to make that happen you would it, have it to, would almost have to be like a a space you'd have to 
you know how Space 220 kind of puts you in that elevator and shoots you up, or at least yeah. that's the, it has to be something like that to make you really believe that you're not in the park anymore. Well, and some of it, like I know some people, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about the green milk and the blue milk. And they were like, okay, what's in this? And it's like, oh, well, it's the milk of a blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I have allergies. I need to know what is in this. Correct, <laughs> like, correct. And, and so there's some of it that's just like a practical, like you yep. can't use the language of this, um, of this world that you're trying to immerse people in while there's real world problems that people Correct. are going to have to deal with. And so what's this the third is where point? what's the third point. Th yeah, the I'm third curious. point is kind of melds into that in order to have an immersive experience, every single person around you has to be committed as committed as you are. So yes. if I go into the star Wars hotel and I want to pretend like I am a character and I have my backstory planned and I have a costume that I'm wearing every day and I'm committing to it. But if Joe Schmo decides to walk around his Mickey Mouse shirt and just go, well, this is fun, you know, the, uh, the, the, I'm uh, that takes me out of yeah. it. And same with like going to go into, into Batu. You have to like literally go into full like D and D Dungeons and Dragons yes. kind of mode, where yeah. you are in this um, you are in this make believe role play bit. But I don't, and that's why I asked this question: is is I think Disney and Universal and the creatives at these different parks have done everything that they are capable of doing that next step. It, it has to become the guest. It has to become where that guest goes with it because now, for here... all the money they spend on this stuff at the end of the day. I, I think I felt like this when I walked around, when I was walking around Batu back in November. Yeah. It's kind of cool to see that, you know, it's rocks and, you know, but at the end of the day, I don't think, I think the Disney fan is appreciation, appreciating the level of detail. And I think the Star Wars fan enjoys it for what it is. But the amount of money they dump to make it fully immersive, they're not getting the ROI that I think they were expecting they were going to get. There's two things. One, it's also hard. To, the other reason that it's hard to be immersive is that when I can walk I don't know, five minutes and be in Toy Story Land, somehow it's not immersive anymore. If you're trying to convince me I'm on another planet, Correct. I shouldn't be able to walk five minutes and be in Toy Story Land. Well, it goes back to the idea of you have to be able, like, Space 220, like, make me feel like I'm being ported up and I'm porting down. You know, it's not just a bridge that takes me over or that I walk under to go to this land. Like, same with Disneyland. I mean, it literally, you walk into... You walk into Batu from Frontierland. It's the yeah. weirdest thing in the world. Not yeah. even from Tomorrowland. It's from Frontierland. Like it yeah. would make sense if it was from Tomorrowland, but no. So that just makes me wonder if that has failed or at least has not had the impact that I think they thought it was going to have. I think they could probably pull back from it a little bit and put some some additional I don't know, something into it that makes it more appealing for some of the traditional Star Wars fans to go to um, and, 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 and build on it. I think I don't think Batuu has to be what it just is. I think there's a way they could build on it with an additional attraction or additional way to make it more meaningful for, for, for fans. Well, and I think you can still have immersive elements, but it, and then the guest can choose if they want to really go for it. Let's, let's take, I mean, let's go non-Disney. Let's go Harry Potter. If you want to go and buy the wand 
and do the wand things that make yeah. the you know the stuff go and you want to eat at Hogsmeade and you want to go to Honeydukes and you want to do yep. all those things you can you know buy the robe you can act like I am a student at Hogwarts and all of these people around me are just you know other wizards that are about their day and they've got like, some of that I guess in and, the two with the building of the and, lightsaber and yeah, the droid so, and things so like, like that but that's which are still very popular yeah and, and the cantina. In, yeah, those are individual things that you can that you as the guest can make the option of, yes, I am going to transport myself. I am a Jedi and I am going to go build my droid. I'm going to go to my lightsaber and I'm going to go to the local cantina like that. That becomes a thing that you can do. But if somebody else if somebody else doesn't want to do that, it's also not necessarily taking away from your experience. It's more on the guest rather than on the company. And I think that's that's what needs to start happening is if did you, you want an immersive what, um, experience, you got to make the decision that it's going to be immersive. Did you see what Universal um, opened up uh, about a month ago? They've they've opened up a, a series of escape rooms. Oh, I have and, I have a thought process for a Monsters Incorporated escape room where you would go through different doors and you have to like power the door and you go into different parts it. of the room. Like I, I that's one but, that but I, Universal opened up. Yeah, so they've opened up two of them. They've opened yeah. up a Back to the Future one, and they've opened up I think it's a Jurassic Park one. Yeah, and and there's like multiple stories, like ten different stories per room, so you can go multiple times. And at different levels, if you're with families, by yourself, if you're with couples, whatever the case may be, that's an example of something that's not going to cost a ton. And the people who really want like an immersive um, thing. Yeah. And when I say cost a ton, I mean, it doesn't even cost universal a ton. It's very limited to put the thing together. Yeah. They got to initially brainstorm and pull it. But in terms of attractions, it's not multi millions of dollars. It's maybe a couple million dollars to do what they well, have. Well, and let me be clear. I've created escape rooms for fundraisers. Now, were they high budget? No. And they weren't like fully immersive, but we did a pretty good job. We created a wizard's like lair and um, I've got something from it. Like we put shampoo and green food coloring and put a sticker on it. said <laughs> like octopus goo. And oh, like, that's funny for like, that's, that's the thing is you're right. It's not expensive. You could do it on a budget and it would be super fun. Like, again, I mean, I can, I could probably, we could probably sit here for the next 30 minutes and come up with escape room ideas based on Disney IP that you give you give your Disney creative people you know honestly like two or three months and you could have those things up and running if like they it, it, yeah. if they wanted to do it and I, I I think it's it's things like that that I, I think they need to look for instead of trying to say all right we're going to do an entire three night stay where it is immersive for the entire thing, it's much easier to say we are going to give you an hour long experience that is completely immersive. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a, a hoop de doo type experience where you're in there for two or three hours, kind of a dinner show. People literally wanted a hotel that was done like star Wars just to stay in. Like they didn't want yeah. this. All right. We kind of went off into a very weird pattern. The fact yeah, that you know, it's still funny. So I want to bring it back as we kind of start to think about wrapping the episode up. What do you think? is the legacy that will remain for episode eight. I think this sequel trilogy as a whole and episode eight included in that is just going to kind of be there. Okay. I think that people will continue to watch it to show to the next generation of this is like how this story ends. 
Mm-hmm. I do not support. Let's scrap this and try it again. That, that the story's already been told. And, it, the, and, the, and they couldn't do it if they wanted you, to. I mean, you can't do that. I mean, my, my goodness, Carrie Fisher's dead. You know. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that that that's that's too tough to do that. I, I yeah, you, you you can't do that. But I I, I, I would I would add on to be that. Though. We're gonna be there. What about you? I agree with you what your point is for a lot of the legacy Star Wars fans, but I would also argue that there is a generation that was born during or after the prequels that this is their Star Wars story. And and this is that to them this is Star Wars, not the original. Not like I, I and I said this before, I think there are three generations maybe four at this point of people who have grown up with star wars there's the generation that grew up with the original and probably a little bit of a generation after that there's the generation like my generation that grew up with the sequels and i'm sorry the prequels and then there's the generation that you know was born post 2000 if you will and they grew up with these the sequel trilogy and to them this is their star wars story mm-hmm. and i think because of that I think that um, episode eight will probably be the least favorite of the three. Okay. Um, I, at least, at least that's how I interpret it. I think, I think seven in a lot of ways, people still have a fond, have a fondness for. I think seven brought Star Wars into the 21st century. Let's let's be yeah. kind of truthfully there. I know we're going to have a robust conversation about nine. Um, <laughs> I think nine is one of those things where there's not a lot of in between. You either love it or you hate it. You yeah. There's not a lot of people that it. are like vanilla on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I also, now that I think about it, I think that's kind of how a lot of people feel about all three of these movies. Force Awakens, you either love it or you hate it. I don't think there's people who are in between. And this is one of those movies where you either love it or you hate it. I, I, I can't think of people who are kind of in between with this. So yeah. I think the legacy here is, is like you said, it's there. For some people, some people have written off as though it doesn't exist, but it does exist. And for a lot of people, this is their Star Wars story. And that'll be interesting to see, like when that generation starts to have children, is this what they show their children? Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what I say? Break the mold. Start them on the Clone Wars TV show <laughs> and have that oh, be their introduction man. to Star Wars. Entering into our third year here, and yes. here it comes. Star yes. Wars animated series, Lord baby. Wars. Speaking of series, did you see, I think, uh, what, Mandalorian season three is coming up here uh, like soon? March, right? February, yeah, March? Yeah, like, I really think close. it's coming up pretty close, so that'll be fun to see. But, um, yeah, all right. Well, um, unless you got anything else, I think it's a uh, closing time. I, I fit my quota of clone wars and like, I've, 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 I've hit all the check marks. I'm all good. We can uh, leave. That is too funny. <laughs> that is too funny. Well, let's see. What do we got on the calendar for next week? Yeah, folks? we've let got, me, cause me... we got pretty much planted to our three year. Cause our three year anniversary is like in two months. It really is. So next week, Oh, next week's a fun topic. So next week we are going to be talking about Disney parks. So we're going to bring back to the parks, but the idea that Disney parks are less like a theme park and more like a national park. Uh, they're like they're like America's national parks. So I want to I want to talk. We're going to talk about that. Um, then we have the the Strange World review the following week. I've uh, watched you had a it. Chance to, and, okay, I have. just without going into detail. Uh, how do, what do you think of it? In twenty years, this is going to be a film that we look back on and go, "Why does no one like this movie?" Exactly. This movie's great. <laughs> it, I can't wait to talk about that with you. Uh, and then the following week is Avatar: Way of the Water. Have you seen it yet? 
I have not seen it. Oh, you've got to go see it before at least. Okay. Did you see that it's already at one point six billion dollars? I'm not surprised. Uh, it's it's going to hit two billion. Right, part of the problem right now is I have not had three hours to devote. <laughs> <laughs> to like I like I get home from work. I'm like, man, I'm tired. I can't sit through this movie. We saw it on um we saw it on the 23rd, okay. and. And you know what? I, I, I went in with very low expectations because, again, you know, 15 years removed from the original. I was very happy and very surprised. And clearly, word of mouth is getting around, and I think people are enjoying it. So, yeah. so that is coming up as well. So we've got a lot of fun stuff planned. Like you said, we've got our three-year anniversary coming up here uh, pretty quick in, in about, you know, two and a half months or so. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you along for the ride. Here we are moving into our third year. and. And, and thank you for being part of this with us as, as we move into the new year. So Absolutely. Um, Matt, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, uh, let's, I'll do the spiel that if you Go want ahead. to get a hold of us, beers and ears, 1928 at gmail.com, Facebook beers and ears podcast, Twitter and Instagram at beers ears, 1928. Uh, as always rate us um, new year, new chance for you to, to give us five stars, five stars. They're on Apple podcasts. Um, tell your friends. Uh, it really, it really does help uh, boost our numbers. Um, not that that's why we do it, but it's always nice to gain some new listeners. It does. Um, it's nice. Yeah, absolutely. And as Casey said, like again, I, I, I know Casey says this is the beginning of the show, and and you're gonna now hear me say it. If you are planning a Disney vacation, please get in contact with Casey. Get in contact with us. For to get in contact with Casey, um, like it, it, it. It helps him. It helps you. Everybody wins. <laughs> it, it, it really is. I mean, you guys listen to us every week, so you obviously trust what we're saying. At least we hope you do. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest misnomers is that it's going to cost you money. And the reality is, is no, it's not. It's not going to cost you money to use me at all. Um, I get the benefit of being able to help plan some magic with you. And yes, do I make a commission off of it? I do, but I don't make it off of you. I make it for Disney, right? So whether you plan it yourself or you plan it with me, you're paying the same amount of money anyway. And I'll just give you this great example. This dining promo, we got heads up on it about three days before it went public. Uh, we were told you can't say anything, which most people didn't. There were some rumors flown around, but no one confirmed it until it came out on the fifth. And I was able to go right into my portal, see all of my clients. I had two clients that this affected, one for the spring promo, one for the summer promo. I saved both of them money. I saved one of them 300 bucks. I saved the other one, got them $700 in dining. That's the benefit of using a travel planner is that I can, if you've already got a plan, um, out there, I can help. And if you've already got something booked and you've not used the travel planner, as long as you haven't made your final payment yet, we can transfer that over to me as well, and I can then help you at that point. So if you got here's, a trip left already, here's the moral of the story: Don't just give Disney your money; give <laughs> Casey Disney's money. There you go. Yes, <laughs> yes, there it is. No, I don't. I mean, yes, the money's nice, but I honestly, yes, no, I, I, I do you. enjoy helping people plan. So, but all right, well, let's go ahead and raise our glasses today. I, I've got an empty one at the moment. I literally have nothing in my hand I had to drink before this. But uh, this episode has been on us. We will see you again very soon. May the force be with you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.